guys hello and welcome back i'm jojo fraser it's time for a mojo injection episode 97 whoa guys thank you for being here it's amazing to have you back this is a safe space where we completely pour it all out talk real raw stuff um get little nuggets of wisdom from other people um and just yeah keep it positive build each other up that's what we need right so thank you for being here 97 here we go um i've been thinking about the kenya west stuff that's been in the press a friend had messaged me the other day about it said have you seen this i said no actually i'll check it out and um the chats that he's having a, a hypomanic episode and uh watching his sort of rants and stuff really takes me back to when i was in my own episode i would say it looks probably more of a manic episode than a hypomanic um and i can say that through experience just because hypomanic's a bit tamer and um if it goes on for more than a few days then it seems to be in full-blown mania manic and Kanye was he was diagnosed with bipolar in 2016 for me I was never diagnosed I've never had any kind of mental health issue until I I went manic um so we think mine was just a, a kind of one-off manic episode so it's, it's good to raise awareness that some people can just have a one-off hypomanic or manic episode and that can be tri- triggered by grief it can be triggered by too much alcohol it can be triggered by um drugs for me i think looking back my episode was triggered by my mind being so fast taking on far too many big projects at once um, and just any stresses on top of that became too much for me Um, and I was also really getting into as I said the kind of spiritual mental health stuff so that was really blowing my mind Um, really blowing my mind some of the stuff felt really intense for me so I would put that into there too for someone like me who feels quite deeply and is really intense too much excitement um with a really fast schedule was just too much but Kanye uh well obviously (laughs) he's got constant um stimulation and incitement and in a crazy crazy position um and it's probably quite an intense character I don't really know much about the guy but it's very obvious from watching his um his rants that he is having some kind of in my opinion manic episode other people have different opinions you know i'm yet to i'm going to be interviewing someone who believes alternative stuff around labels such as manic episodes and things like that for me like everything it says in the medical explanation of what is i ticked all of those boxes so whilst i'm not great on labels i'm not a big fan of labels and being defined by labels when someone's really unwell and all this, all the sort of symptoms are being ticked, it's a bit of a wake-up call. For me, there's still stuff that I need to do, like there's a podcast I recorded from a hospital bed where I was really paranoid and delusional. I've not deleted that. I've not taken that down. I've yet to listen back to it. Um, but if you want to know what a manic person sounds like, yeah, hook up my podcast um, with the one about Caroline Flack. I was really unwell at that point in time. 
um, and you can hear that I'm just a different person it's like a different person in my body there's snippets of me well as I say I've not listened to it so I can't say but when I was really unwell there was snippets of me but I'd lost my sense my touch of reality um, some days and lost what's really important for all of us is our internal and external self-awareness you know you're unwell when your awareness goes we need to keep grounded in our body we need to have a level of um, clarity about what's right and what's wrong and what can be said and, and what can't, what's sharing too much, all that sort of stuff. And I'd lost that. I was just, yeah, I was a rocket and uh, just exploding everywhere. Um, so, yeah, I've been thinking about that. And But just to remember as well to, to judge less because so many people will just be like, yeah, he's a lunatic. No, he's he's really unwell, um, in my opinion, because of being there. Um, so yes, so that brings us on to um, some more research this week with Susan Watson, who had a pretty traumatic childhood and she thought that she was broken and couldn't be fixed she thought she was made wrong which you know it's so sad thinking of you know that critic that could tell us this nonsense you know we've all got this inner child in us and this is a really interesting discussion about clearing clearing anxiety clearing emotions clearing trauma um Susan is really, uh, she shares a lot of insight. I really like this discussion. To quote Susan, she says, well-being is the whole picture. To be given an opportunity to live your best life through taking care of your mind, body, emotions and spirit. To feel complete and function and enjoy life. Function and enjoy life. Hear me here. But what I was just saying, I reach your full potential. It is to have choices and feel good about life in every way. And, and that to me as well does involve clarity it's being well it's being clear so for me i was really really buzzing at the start of the year now i'm going from buzzing to balance but i want to keep a bit of the buzz the healthy buzz but not the extremely off my face buzz and if you go to mummyjojo.com i've put a blog um at the start there's a little clip in it of and, and there's just so it's the first blog you'll see on mummyjojo.com and speaking about Susan and her discussion and it says um you know I'm singing on my bed I'm so excited and that was me I was absolutely off my face I'm starting to get really really manic then and I was just so high on life um so Susan trained in mental health first aid um, and applied suicide intervention skills. Um, she works mostly with anxiety and helpful emotions and past trauma. Um, so she's trained in hypnotherapy, rapid eye movement therapy, which is really good. I've had that myself. Mindfulness. Um, and her favourite quotes, don't look back, you're not going that way. I like that. Don't measure your own value by the opinion of others. Be true to yourself. Live the life which sets your soul dancing. Yes, you can find Susan at Perfect Solutions Coaching. I have linked her on the blog. I'll link her on all the content on these channels. She also runs workshops, Be Your Own Hero. And she's just an all-round lovely person who has had a tough time. We all have suffering. We're not immune from it. And she's using that to find her purpose and her passion. She's using her pain to go on and help others. And I find that really inspirational. So it was great to chat to Susan and bring you some more content around 
really clearing those emotions. So guys, without further ado, let's jump in. This one's a little bit earlier than normal because I'm going to be going on a really beautiful adventure soon. And I can't wait to share more about that with you. Um, I'm excited. Oh yeah. I'm excited. All the love, guys. Judge less, live more, love more, and yeah, just be kind to yourself too. Mwah. Right, Susan, welcome. Thank you. Lovely to meet you via Zoom. And you've got like a one of those snazzy garden offices, have you? I have indeed. My husband built me this lovely office, and it's became my little escape. My own oh, privacy as well as um, working. A lot. So do clients come and see you in like the garden office? So it's quite a chilled environment. Yeah, it is. Mm. It's just it's really nice. It's two glass walls, nice blinds, comfortable chairs. Uh, everybody comes in and they just think what a really nice space this is. Yes, it's important because if you're going to be having like deep conversations and I guess as well sometimes from what I gather, chatting to a lot of people is when you first go for a session, it can be quite overwhelming and scary, can't it? The way I work, it's a bit different from, is that, how can I explain this? It's not actually a lot about talking. Mm -hmm. So when people come to see me, I'm very much what you see now. Mm -hmm. It's very, I'm, I don't wear formal clothes. It's mm -hmm. very relaxed and very welcoming. People are they see that I am just like them, a normal person, nothing to be wary of. So yeah. it's all about making people feel relaxed. And then yes, they can talk to me if they really want to share. But some people, most people really don't want to sit and talk and talk. Because what I've found is that a lot of people have been through talking therapies before they come to me. Uh-huh. So they're, they're actually coming to me almost like a, a last resort to try that one thing that's different. Mm -hmm. So I tend to work more with what people feel inside. Mm -hmm. Some people find it hard to explain what's going on anyway, but everybody knows that feeling that's, that they've got inside, if that makes sense. And can it be, do you find, like, where do most people feel it? Is it like their gut, their chest? Is everyone different? I would say the majority of people I would say to, what I've had come to see me are their chest and their gut. But a couple of people see their head and a few people see like it's a way others. But a lot is in their chest. That's funny that, isn't it? Um, I'm trying to think where I feel stuff. Like you get, like you can get butterflies if you're nervous or you're a bit, mm. but I, I get a lot on my, maybe my shoulder, like your shoulders, I notice I get tight or, you know, like knots there. We carry tension in our jaw and our shoulders and we don't really realize we're doing it until we start to get like sore jaws and people grind their teeth or they get the sore neck and shoulders and that's mm -hmm. the tension so do you think more like trauma is in the chest or what sort of stuff do you do you think shows up there i, I think everybody's different uh -huh. but i do believe that our bodies tell a story that our body especially when we've not actually managed to to really move on from something, we mm -hmm. keep tensions. And I do think that's why we get sore back, shoulders, hips, legs, everything. We keep emotion inside us. Yeah. And I don't think that's healthy. 
Yeah, and it very much is sort of normal for people to bottle stuff up. Yeah. Um, do you think, like, where does it get the point when people, because if we bottle things up, it's like, yeah, as you were saying, it can manifest in different parts of the body. And there's a lot of research to say that, you know, stress and, and, and bottling up problems and not talking about it can cause diseases as well. Yeah. I say it's like, the way I describe it to people, imagine you've got a cupboard in your chest and something happens that's really painful or hurts you and you stick it in that cupboard and lock the door and you carry on the light. Something else happens, you stick it in the cupboard. How much space do you think that cupboard's got? At some point, it's just going to explode open and all these pains and hurts and worries are just going to overflow, overwhelm you. So what I do is I teach people ways to allow themselves to feel Mm -hmm. instead of fighting it allow themselves to feel to work through the feeling and the emotion so they can let it go and also to clear old pains very big on instead of people having to come back to me it must be the worst mm -hmm. business model in the world so i don't want people to come back to me i want people to learn how to manage their own emotions right and, their own and, and stresses so that they've got the tools and they actually understand the signs that you get and therefore they know how to manage it and clear things themselves. So is it fear that makes us bottle things up, like in our bodies? Is it is it fear of going back to places or is it just, yeah, we just don't want to have to think about it, so we try and bury it? It depends. It depends where we're, what's happened. Trauma, if it's a traumatic experience, well, to, to face it, you've got to acknowledge the fact that the situation came about and trauma is actually the impact the effect it's had on you mm -hmm. but if you talk about anxiety i actually believe that your well, your unconscious mind listens to everything you tell yourself and everything you imagine and reacts accordingly and it's like a habit a habit if you think like a computer program running mm -hmm. so if you think if you learned as a child that someone was telling you that oh, you can't do that mm -hmm. You know, you, you just can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. You'll, you'll be silly. That's silly to do that. People are laughing at you. As you get older, imagine that still running. Oh, I can't do that because I'm going to make a fool of myself. Mm -hmm. And you, it's almost we start self-limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. And when opportunities and situations come up, that fear comes back because we're almost programmed to feel in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah almost like changing your mindset as well and understanding that not all your thoughts are true mm -hmm. you can actually challenge them are you i read something and it said like 80 percent of our thoughts are negative do you agree with that i think that's a possibility but i don't know what percentage i would say again it all comes down to any individual mm -hmm. and if i was to look back at myself when i was younger i would say that would be absolutely true 80 percent negative but if i was to look at who i am now i would say maybe 10 percent, and i just i don't allow it that's um, yeah and I, i'd agree with that actually it's like training yourself yeah. so for you you said you had a pretty tough childhood is that but because a lot of people that get into this industry i feel like something they've had trauma to deal with or they've you know it, it kind of inspires you to help others doesn't it yeah, I was, growing up, I was definitely a, a child who had a lot of emotional problems and a lot of quite anxiety. And I never did feel that I, I fit into the world. Mm -hmm. 
mm -hmm. I always thought that I was made wrong, that there was something wrong with me. I was different to other people. Mm -hmm. And uh, it developed into quite a social anxiety where I really used to freeze with terror, even at the thought of speaking to people. Or yeah. uh, I was quite rebellious as well as a teenager. Uh -huh. um, I just I was always looking for a, a way to fit into the world, but I just didn't don't think I found it. And it was actually a few broken marriages and not very good experiences and abuse that by the time I got to just before I turned 40, I knew that my life couldn't continue on the path that it had been on. That I just I just couldn't. I just couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. So therefore I had to do something different. I knew it was within me that mm -hmm. I had to do something. And I, that's when I started searching out, what can I do, what can I do different? And it wasn't easy. And I'm not going to say to people it was easy to push myself into situations that were terrifying for me, but to prove to myself that I could do it. Uh -huh. I, was scared, I was scared of everything, so I had to push myself into situations. Wow. So did you go for, was there like a key moment? Did you, did you go for like a lot of therapy or what was your sort of process? First thing I did was I'd never had what I call a real job. I was, um, I'd done, I'd three kids and I'd done little jobs to, to feed them and pay the bills, but there was nothing that I felt that was really for me. Mm -hmm. And I'd never had an interview. So I started looking into what a competency base, what happens in an interview, what's a competency based interview, what kind of questions do they ask? Mm -hmm. And I started so practicing what, how I would answer that. And I went for my first interview just before I turned 40 for a call centre in Edinburgh and I got the job. And that for me, because it was three stage interview, for me on my first interview, for actually for somebody have faith in me. Yeah. <laughs> best gift in the world not only did I manage to do an interview somebody actually trusted me and that was huge absolutely huge and I stayed with that company for 10 years and I will be forever grateful for the opportunities that they gave me amazing because that was the start of my life changing without a doubt and then what, what happened from there to to get you to where you are now um, they had, I very quickly became a manager in there and they had sent me on a course, course for mental health in the workplace. Mm -hmm. All the managers were meant to be good on this course, but as what happens, sometimes budgets run out. So I was the only one that had actually been on this course. So I became point of contact for mental health in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So all the things I was helping with other people, I was doing on myself. Mm -hmm. And then I went for a stress management course and I was working in stress management for myself. Then I trained in CBT, and as I was training in CBT, I was doing all this cognitive behaviour therapy on myself. And I just kept going on different courses while I worked on myself. Mm -hmm. And while you're training, other therapists just practice on each other. Uh -huh. So it was almost, I think I cried through every training, <laughs> training course that I went on because yeah. it was just clearing out all that stuff. Wow. So my therapy was actually training. Wow. That's so a <laughs> wow, and you just find it like so powerful. Uh, uh, yeah, and even, I mean, now I'm a totally different person to what I was back then. I mean, I look at who I was and the fears and the decisions that I made in my life. It's like it was a different person, mm -hmm. absolutely different person. Very much aware that anxiety is a normal reaction. 
and it is a normal reaction you can get healthy anxiety too uh -huh. so that everyone in life will experience anxiety at some times but i recognize it when i start to feel that now and luckily when i do start to feel it i have methods and tools that i can just get rid of it right away so i still work on myself as i go if that makes sense yeah like so you do you think it's the clearing techniques that were the key for you i think for me it was i was carrying things from when i was a little girl mm -hmm. personally and somewhere deep inside me was the hurt and pain of a four-year-old yeah. yeah and i do believe that everybody has an inner child anyway and i obviously had a really unhappy sad one and it was almost it was actually during a hypnotherapy session that i was getting trained in where we were doing inner child work and they took me back not really took me back but they made me think about being this age again and i was wasn't it and I just sat and I cried and I cried and I cried I did I mean when I say I cried I sobbed like a four-year-old mm. I mean really you know the chest rattling sobs children can have and it wasn't maybe about 10-15 minutes later it was almost like it just stopped and I felt like I had faced my worst scenario that whatever whatever it was it was time to move on and I, I could move on because whenever I thought of that little girl after that, and I know it sounds really strange, but I could picture a face with a smile instead of sadness. Oh, that's amazing. Your mind does believe everything you think and tell yourself. Mm -hmm. Changing that picture in my mind, I had, I've changed the way I see myself as a child. Ah, uh -huh. okay. But so, like, do you think we need to all connect to that inner child? Like, because I, I think from experience when I got into meditation and did my mindfulness course and yeah. took things deeper that I felt more because they put you through processes of you know taking your mind back yeah. and like pour all this love and good vibes on that it's quite a, some people find it quite hard though it's not easy but just to try and think right why did I think of these things like I'm not enough I need this to be happy or you know you think back to that child and it's like you know the freedom and all the sort of positive words we, you know where play is so natural and we're so innocent and you know it's just like now I wouldn't tell someone they had to do that I would offer the option to do it and if they wanted to go through an inner, inner child would help them with that and um, I would tell them because this is what I've found is that most people who do experience this can get really quite emotional mm -hmm. and as long as they felt that this was a safe environment mm -hmm. and that they were happy to do that then I would most certainly do it with them but I'd always leave that choice with the individual in front of me because mm -hmm. it's always their choice it's always their choice yeah but do you think if you're able to it's really really beneficial to go back there yeah, I personally do. I know from what it's done for me and other people above me, um, it definitely has. Because a lot of the negative way we view ourselves comes from when we are children. And mm -hmm. normally what other people see, rating our own value and what other people's opinions are. When who's to say it's just their opinion. And these, these people probably had their own problems and they're installing that on us and why should we carry that for the rest of our life 
Yeah, it, it's really crazy to think that. I mean, as a mother of two young kids, like every day I'm like, you know, thinking about what I say to them and like really trying to be so positive and um, not to the point where they like have a massive ego, but do you know what I mean? Like making sure they know they can do what they want and, yeah. uh, you know, they deserve to be happy and like, like try and talk to them about why people can say negative stuff but at the end of the day I can't control I'm not there all day when they're at school or you know I can't control other people at the same time you don't want you're quite right because you don't want them you want them to grow up knowing their value and worth and you want them to to be confident in life mm -hmm. but you don't want them to be live in a bubble where they don't know what else is out there because life's not like that we'll always come across challenges and hardships so what you're really looking for is to to bring up confident children who are resilient and know their that's the way i think yeah confident but they know that suffering like exists as well and it's sort of part yeah. of life like no one goes through it just perfect <laughs> Um, no matter what social media where may, may show us you know so do you like for people that come to you would it be like more like like so anxiety blocking things depression what are the sort of tends to be mainly anxiety people with unhelpful emotions so they might have anger or might not view themselves very well or people who have experienced trauma traumatic experience that tends to be the three sort of areas that I work with more yeah when I first started there was things like weight loss and all these sort of things but I've narrowed it right down to the anxiety the emotions right because I for my first book I, for research for some of it I got hypnotized and I was interested to know like what made me an, an emotional eater but it wasn't um it was more like positive like so associations, so celebration, food, um, you know, rewards, um, yeah. like more eating to out of enjoyment. But then, like she's saying, the words calm and balance came up. Maybe sometimes you eat for calm or balance, or you know, I think a lot of people are emotional eaters, aren't they? Yeah, a lot of people will comfort eat, or they'll eat like you're seen as a reward. Or it meant, for example, imagine a child that uh, whenever when they fail, have a biscuit, mm -hmm. fail and hurt themselves. So that's a bit of comfort, all right? Yeah. Oh, you got that prize at school. Let's get a cake. Do you know uh -huh. what I mean? And that's that's how all these things get instilled. It's scary because lockdown. I'm like, oh, it's lockdown. Let's bake. <laughs> I, I don't work a lot with hypnotherapy now. I I do use guided meditations and a little bit of hypnotherapy. But it's it's more like the the mind and the body, and it's almost like rewiring, retraining mm -hmm. the brain. Really, the way I work. Yeah. EMDR, I move me these sort of things. The I what was that? Sorry. It's an eye movement therapy, EMDR. Uh huh. Yep. Uh huh. And bilateral stimulation, so you're stimulating both sides of the brain. So I work. I work in a sort of. I use fun method mm -hmm. rather than just sitting talking over and over again. It's actually almost like coming to a workshop and we're both doing exercises and thinking about things and changing the way the brain processes information. So I work, I work a bit different. 
that's amazing and and do you think like that sort of stuff really moves the the brain from being in that kind of positive like negative and the limiting beliefs and all that sort of stuff and just starts to open up to become more positive I think it changes your emotions what you tend to think with a lot of what I do is you think about what the issue problem is and how that makes you feel mm-hmm. and then where it is in the body mm-hmm. how strong it is and then what we do is we, we almost replace that with something more positive but mm-hmm. exactly I had a, a young child come to a 12 year old come to see me with a, a fear of storms and loud noises and we replaced that with his, his positive feelings about what he really enjoyed in life and what lifted his spirits and made him feel good. So you almost swap them over so that, and now within, you're talking about within an hour, he's listed fears that he had, he doesn't have them anymore because now he just feels really good. That's great. And that's That's... the same trauma, you do that, you just think of the trauma, you have to have a powerful sensation of something because it might be like the love of your children or something that really sets you on fire. You can replace the, the negative feeling that's there. Very quicker than you think. That's amazing because so many people will be struggling and just like I speak to people and they're like, Can you recommend someone? Can you recommend someone? And then you maybe chase them up and you're like, Did you go? But there's that fear of like, Oh, I don't want to tackle it, or there's still a bit stigma there around this stuff. And I'm just like, No, like. Let's just normalise this stuff. You know, you deserve to be happy. You deserve to feel well. Well, a lot of the people that come to see me with trauma, I don't even know what's happened in their life. I don't know. I don't even know why they came to see me. All I'll say to them is, whatever it is that's happened has brought you here today. Mm-hmm. If you feel that in your body now, and they'll say, yeah. and I'll say, well, let's work with that feeling. And it's changing that feeling and the emotional reaction to that feeling. Uh-huh. Which because you can't change the past has happened, but you can change how it makes you feel, and that's the way I work. So a lot of things that I work with, I don't even know why people have came. They don't need to tell me because it's what's inside that we're changing. Right. So you it's not like they have to say everything and go back to whatever. And some people forget. Like, can some people forget what the trauma was, but they just know, you know. I, I, spoken to people and it's like yeah they don't know what happened but something happened what can happen is a there's a saying and i believe it's absolutely true what the mind forgets the body remembers ah i like that what the mind forgets the the body remembers so you know something you feel it but you can't actually you don't really know the details you just know something and you just know how it's making you feel that's why i work a lot with the feeling and the emotion inside Ah, our body, it's its just crazy how our bodies are connected. Mm-hmm. And do you think, you know, you've got physical, mental, emotional and spiritual, do you think the four of them are as important? I think they're all like that. They all impact each other. They're all intertwined. I don't believe there's mental health, physical health, emotional health. I think they're all together and they all influence each other. If you think that if someone comes to see me, I show them acupressure points, how to make a body feel safe. Mm-hmm. So your hands, for instance, on your heart, and it calms you down. So if you think just by touching your body, you can that sends a signal to your mind and says, do you know what, I'm safe? And uh-huh. it'll calm anxiety down. Because uh-huh. you're feeling back in your body as well. 
uh-huh. and your emotions are all interlinked. So to me, there is no nothing separate. It's all together. Mm. Very much so. Yeah, and you see so many people complaining about like stomach pain, back pain, and it's it's it could just be all the stuff we're talking about. I, I do workshops for for children as well and adults, but I do it for families, parents with children. And what you would generally get from, because it's ages three plus, is little kids talking about maybe a sore head or a sore tummy. Mm-hmm. You'd very rarely get in a, a little child coming up and saying, well, I'm, I want to talk to you because I've got anxiety. Do you know what I mean? They don't, they don't know what it is. They just yeah. know that they've got a sore stomach or they feel sad. And can you do the same with kids then, where they don't, so they don't have to talk about anything, uh-huh. they just point to where they feel? Well, Everything I do is really about feelings. Kids, I don't expect kids to tell me either, and I make it fun. I mean, what is my EMDR one? Can you imagine a child, how much they love this? There's a little stick with a red thing on it, and that's what I get them to follow with their eyes. They love it. Everything's playing, or playing with a beanbag, or I've got finger traps where your finger gets trapped in anxiety. It's all playing, but what Uh the kids don't realise as they're playing and having fun, we're actually activating certain bits in the body and the mind to help calm them down so uh, even with adults I think play is good for adults as well life's too hard too serious mm-hmm. we need to not take ourselves yeah I always say like when I if I ever feel myself taking myself too seriously I'm like snap out of this like uh, we can't this can't happen it's easy to slip into it the, the, the key is I guess recognizing when it's happening and being able to do something about it it's like daily self-awareness yeah. it's like right how am i feeling today is this are these thoughts serving me right if not what can i do about that how can i lift my mood how can i get out of this or even just thinking right could it be hormones could it be like that time of the month or you know i've had too much of this or not enough sleep like just to put some compassion into it so that if you are feeling like the inner critic is taking over your day and you don't have that get up and go it's just sort of right okay maybe it's just one of those days but we don't have to write the whole day off that's exactly what i say to people all the time that you've got to treat yourself with kindness compassion and patience what you would offer other people because we don't we don't take ourselves in the same way as we treat other people Mm -hmm. so if we just pause for a minute and remember do you know what we deserve this caring time as well yeah i think that's really important yeah we expect too much from ourselves and yet give our help and support to other people and we've got to remember do you know what we are in it we deserve a little time too it's so important i i mean have you dealt with anyone because for me for the first time i i learned about the highs so when you can get like hypomanic or or manic or anything like that I know that's like a full-on mental health problem but have you dealt with any of that and or have you come across any of that well yes but what I tend to do with any I also work for the charity anxiety UK Mm -hmm. so I do I do certain assessment forms for levels of anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. then I always check in as well if people got medical care Mm-hmm. Because what I do does not replace the support that you can get from your doctor. 
because I recognise that anyone who has, for example, extreme highs and lows or psychosis or anything like that, they need medical care. Mm -hmm. So I would always let people go and see their doctor. But however, what I can do is I can help them manage stress levels. Mm -hmm. I can teach them ways that they can recognise what's going on in their body. So it's almost complementary. Uh -huh. They can go for medical care, but alongside of that, I can teach some other skills and ways yeah. to look after themselves. Because I think when it's like the mania and the psychosis and stuff, people will lack self-awareness at yeah. that point. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't work with anyone who is actually in a psychotic episode. Because they really need psychiatric proper care. Because I would look on that with the skills I have, I could potentially be putting that person's life at risk. Uh, and I do that. I would always, always make sure that they had the proper care. And I would be happy to help alongside that. How, what could happen in terms of putting someone's life at risk? How do you, how do you mean? Well, one of the questions that I have is I do talk about risk to suicide. I ask about are they having suicide thoughts? Have they ever attempted suicide? And do they have a plan mm -hmm. to complete suicide? Depending on the answers to these questions, I would, I mean, if someone says to me that they had a plan to take their life, didn't even let them leave me, I would be phoning for help then, because potentially that person could then go away and end their life, and that's, that's not the way I would work at all. Yeah. So there, there's, I've got to make sure at all times the client is safe. And protected yeah. and the right action has been taken for them because mm -hmm. it can be hard like the crossover between holistic and, and well-being and mental well-being and then there's sort of like the mental health part isn't it and it's a bit of a there can be a crossover can't there yeah because anxiety to do impact your mental wellness but if someone's got a I don't even like the, the phrase, a mental condition. Do you know that? I really, I'm really not keen on that. But if they've got something which is at the severe level, like we're talking about psychosis, um, I think they do need medical care. But I don't rule out that we can't help them. I don't rule out that medication can't be beneficial to people. Medicine has a place and some people need medical medicine. But however, I don't think it's for everybody. Other methods can help people. Um, yeah. I just think you've got to look at the, the big picture and all the options there that are right for that person. I personally would like to see the kind of work that I do and the other therapists like me and other coaches who work with anxiety and depression to be more, more accepted in the bigger picture rather than just the NHS and the medical care is quite a small world for the the methods that are used uh -huh. and it would be lovely to widen out and other options reviewed. Oh I think we definitely definitely need more stuff like this um, because you know there's so much demand and people need help and as you say as long as they're not in a really serious psychotic state or you know where they're not able to really process stuff yeah um, to have this is like so useful it's essential you know and it could actually save lives it could work the opposite you know i was going to say that if they're not in like a full-blown sort of psychotic state or manic state you give them an opportunity to understand their mind and body more you give them an opportunity while they're more level to learn skills to, to look after their well-being mm -hmm. and 
people who experience that, they, they can, if they get an opportunity, if, as long as it's not too instant, they can recognise signs mm -hmm. that, that they're starting to become a bit unbalanced and they're not feeling quite right. Uh -huh. And that's really important. And that comes with understanding and education, what's going on in their mind and body. Yeah, yeah. Take do you like with the holistic because there's obviously like the stuff like reiki do you do any of that stuff or i do reiki i do reiki as well i tend to use a um i know that people use reiki for healing but what i do is use it for people who have anxiety mm -hmm. because it's very relaxing and very calming and it's to help them let go all that tension in their body mm -hmm. and i think it really works a treat with anxiety so i tend to do it for people who are carrying you know, that tension in their body, mm -hmm. just to help them let go and relax. Do you just, do you feel energy then? I feel it in the sense we are all energy. I've no doubt at all we are all energy. Mm -hmm. And when I do Reiki, where I tend to feel it is in my legs for some okay. reason. I feel it in my legs. But we just need to rub your hands together and do that, and you can feel all the energy in between your hands. We're yeah, I did. <laughs> I did like an energy course and I actually felt it quite overwhelming but when I I when I was starting to dab on and go for Reiki myself um I remember finding it like there was one place I went and I found found it like really overwhelming and um she used crystals and stuff and my I saw these white I was scared to open my eyes because it's all this like white flashing stuff you get a lot of people saying that they see different colours and things like that when they're getting Reiki. Yeah, what is that all about? Energy. I mean, colours are meant to have different meanings, like green, I'm sure green is meant to be healing. Uh-huh. So there's different different things. When I, when I'm, one of the, the methods that I use is called a kinetic. So when people feel this feeling, whatever it is in their body that they don't want, we give it a colour. It's actually like we're pulling it out. Now that must sound really strange to people, but it actually works. And I use that with almost all my clients. And the amount of, I don't know, emotion that people can just release just by stretching it out. <laughs> so there's, there's, so, there's so many different things out there. And your muscles, your body tells different stories by how it moves. There's all different things. I've had some people say that, um, with Reiki that, well, someone wrote to me, one of my readers, when I said I'd gone for Reiki and she said, oh, careful, because you get a lot of spirits and like spirit guides and all that sort of stuff involved. Like, what's your thoughts on all that? There's different Reiki practitioners and there's, I've heard people talk about spirit guides. I personally don't work that way. Mm -hmm. I use Reiki and the way I always work is, is, a, is a way to release anxiety. So I guess it's your intention. When someone comes to see me, my intention is to give them an experience to release anxiety and strength only from their mind and body. So they feel that they've, they're more refreshed when they leave me. I'm not looking to bring spirits, spirit guides or anything into the room. It's, it's personally not the way I work. Yeah, what's your thoughts on it? <laughs> my thoughts, I think everybody's entitled to, to work the way they want to work. There's people that go particularly for Reiki because they want that experience. Mm -hmm. They will ask, they'll be looking for that experience. And I'm open-minded because I, I've seen so many things that work that if someone had saved me about them 
tank. I would have thought that's really weird. I don't know if I like that. I don't know if that's right. But the more I discover, the more I see things are working that a couple of years ago, I would have thought, no, that's too weird for me. So just because it's not right for me, doesn't mean it's not right for other people. Yeah. Not the know-it-all. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just like the day I was like seeing all the white stuff and I was like, wow, what is this? Like, what's going on? And then like speaking to a lot of people and then some saying all oh, the felt spirit guides or the felt like angels in the room and I'm like what? I've, heard that. I've actually heard other Reiki practitioners saying that they felt there was a spiritual being if you like in the room helping them and healing. Yeah. I've never experienced that myself. Maybe I've just not got that gift whatever it is. But it's not, I've got to say, it's not what I'm particularly looking to work with anyway. Yeah. Because yes, although I work with energies, I don't think I'm necessarily like what you would call a worker. That's not really, although I do think your spirit's really important and your beliefs are really important. I don't class myself as a spiritual worker. Am I getting in your head and let's get it sorry? <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like meditation has made you more of a sort of calmer person? Like, how would you say that's changed your life? I think what's made me a calmer, happier person is knowing myself better, mm -hmm. more than anything. Because when I look back, it was almost like I didn't really know myself. I was just going through life every day, just whatever was happening and just reacting to mm -hmm. that. I didn't really know anything. I didn't know what I liked in life. I didn't know anything about me. I never really listened to my body or the messages from my mind. I think it was having the opportunity to stop and actually really look at myself, which I did when I was approaching 40. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of things about myself I didn't like. Mm -hmm. And then it was recognising that even although quite a lot of trauma things had happened in my life, which left me feeling that I really didn't like myself, that I was going to take a bit of responsibility for that. Because although when it comes to the physical violence and other kind of violence I experienced, I, might, I didn't deserve that and I'm not saying I deserved it. But however, I made poor decisions by letting people in my life that I should never have let in my life. So I was taking responsibility for everything that had happened to that point in my life, whether good or bad. I was responsible, drawing a line in the sand, and I was not going to let that continue. My whole phone for building a happier life. And I think I'd said that to one of my mottos is that I don't look back, I'm not going that way. Yeah, I like that. It really isn't, because I'm going forward. And I don't... All, everything that happened up to the age of 40 might have made me absolutely miserable and pretty much broken. But then I decided then that I deserved a happier, better life. So why should I bring all that rubbish with me when I yeah. can just pack it and dump it and move on to and work it what I want life to be like? So that's what I did really. That's amazing because so many people will say things like, that's just the way I am. I'm wired that way or I'm that sort of person like it or lump it or you know when you say the things you didn't like about yourself like would you say the things we don't like about ourselves when we get still and we take the time isn't really our true self it's stuff that we've maybe picked up as you say 
that we don't want to? I think we pick up things um, throughout our whole life. It's the ability to recognise what we do want and what we don't want. The things that make us feel the worst are the things that we need to work on. And the things that we, have, we know we have to change, but they seem too great and too, dif too difficult and so challenging to start to change are the things that we really need to work on. Because if it was easy to change, then do you know what? It's not really doing us any, any harm or holding us back. It's all these mountains that we need to climb, that we need to push out the way. Yeah. Sometimes you've just got to roll your sleeves up and just say, do you know what? I'm ready for it. Yeah, you've got to be ready for certain things to change, haven't you? I agree with that. I, mean, I get people phoning me and saying like about their daughters or husbands, and I'll say, well, do they want to come along and see me? Well, I've not spoken to them. And I'll say, well, there's no point, because if they're, if they're not ready for that change, because they actually make the change. Mm -hmm. I haven't got a magic wand and can make things better for people. I show them how to do it, mm -hmm. and I help them do it. But actually, everybody's change happens within their own head and body. So they, mm. it's their own minds and body that are making that change for them. So just, see, just see someone comes for, to you and they really want to change like a, a behaviour, like they want to be calmer and they don't want to react a certain way. And they come and you do the kind of clearing and stuff yeah. and techniques. But do they need to actually be committed to make a change, you know, when they get home and for, yeah. you know, yeah. There's things that we can clear out and emotions that we can change in a session, mm -hmm. but your mind likes habits anyway. Yeah. It does everything's like habitual that we do. Mm -hmm. So you almost if you're changing your thought patterns and your behaviour patterns, you've got to actually introduce new habits, if you like, more positive habits. So nothing will you can clear things like that, but to change your actual life, you've got to continue the work after you leave here. When I give people like a toolbox, I'll give them videos, recordings and different exercises and things that they can do to help them going forward. But I want them to be able to do it because I think that's really important for people to have that resilience and that self-responsibility. Because mm -hmm. yeah. I think if you have, have that, do it and you will do it and you'll be successful at doing it. But if you're always waiting for someone else to do it for you, life doesn't really work that way. Yeah, and I like that it, it's kind of that acceptance as well, that acceptance, being ready, but, but accepting certain things that can be hard. Yeah, I think that there's definitely, I always say to people, got to let yourself feel. No matter how bad it is, you've got to let yourself feel and acknowledge that feeling. Because mm -hmm. if you acknowledge it and allow yourself to feel, then you can learn to accept it. And the minute you acknowledge it, to learn to let it go but if you bury it deep in with you and don't even let yourself feel it then you're stuck with it forever because mm, it's there it's not going to leave your body you know and it's just and even if it's thoughts and you're not working on the thoughts you're always going to have that somewhere at the back of your mind eating away at you <laughs> some people i see like perhaps they dive into exercise and they they're addicted and they need that for the release and whilst that's really because you're getting the endorphins, but it's not dealing with the, like, you know, you're still going to be carrying stuff. Yeah. What you tend to see is, as human beings, we need connection, mm -hmm. right? We need to, to feel part of something. Mm -hmm. And we do. 
what tends to happen is what I was saying to you, I was a bit of a wild teenager. I was a wild teenager um, because I genuinely didn't feel part of the world or connected to anything. But some people in that situation might turn to gambling, they might turn to drugs, they might turn to exercise because what you're doing is you're filling that gap with something else. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense to you? Mm -hmm. So um, exercise is great. I mean, that, that's, at least that's a healthy one. Uh -huh. But there's still something in there that you're not facing because you're trying to cover it up and replace mm -hmm. it with that exercise. Mm -hmm. So it's finding what, what would you feel like if you weren't doing the exercise? What is it that's driving you? Let's work for that feeling. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's so fascinating, isn't it? And it's, it's like, yeah, it, it just makes so much sense, you know, like thinking about that and like, it, it is easier to, to get into, but it's really, cha it's challenging and, and the growth can be dark and it can be, you know, it can be hard, but it's always more, it leads to a more fulfilling life, doesn't it? It does. It does. And I, I sometimes go to local colleges and I do workshops at the colleges and really just to help out some of the classes. And I'll share self-help tip, tips with them, but I also share my story. Mm -hmm. The reason I share my story, and it's not to say, look at me, I'm a wonderful, my life's changed so much. Mm -hmm. I to say there's always hope because a lot of the people that I'm speaking to are people with really challenging experiences. Yeah. So there is hope. Change does happen. And I always say, do you know what, if you want a helping hand, I'm here. Uh, I do a lot of work online, like people messaging me, and it's free. And I offer people videos and recordings and different things to help them. Because I think that's important. I like, I need to know that people realise that they're never alone. Mm -hmm. And they've not to feel alone. And that probably is my number one priority, that people know that things can change and they're not by themselves. And it is amazing because when you say, you know, you carried that belief that there was something wrong, you were broken, you, you know, it couldn't be fixed. And then it, it does give hope to people that, you know, because I used to worry about that when I was doing a lot of sort of positivity, you know, motivational stuff. And I don't want people to be like, oh, it's easy for you to say, you know, because we make judgment or her life looks fine. Um, so actually when you are vulnerable and you share your kind of your hard stuff because nobody's immune to this I talk to these, these students at the college I mean I first walk in and I've got my bag and I've got my trousers on and my work t-shirt and they're like look at her <laughs> right there, wonder what she's coming to share with us today and then when I tell them my story you can see the faces change yeah. I've had them coming up at the end of the class and stuffing notes into my hand, Aww. right? Then you've just changed my life. Yeah. I mean, I've actually got a little box with their notes in it because it's amazing just to talk to somebody for even 15 minutes to share that, see that experience you've had. It doesn't need to mean that your whole life's going to be like that. Mm -hmm. and it really doesn't. People need to know. Not to write themselves off. And you get young people who do write themselves off. And that's what I want to say to them. Don't, don't do it. It can change. You have a choice. And yeah. you can get help to help you make that choice.
Yeah, and it must be so empowering. Like, you've come through so much and, you know, you can get up and, and say, well, I can do this and, and I can help people as well and help to change that around, you know? Certainly, it's certainly my passion, that's for sure. It's certainly... I would like to say that I wish I'd been able to do it years ago, but the point is I wouldn't have been the person to do it years ago. Yeah. I had to I had to experience the life that I experienced to bring me to where I am today. Yeah. I wouldn't be who I am unless I had had the life that I had. And without that I wouldn't be able to help people. So I'm actually very blessed and I have no regrets at all. But that's it's an amazing thing to say. And this year, you know, you were saying it's been quite busy <laughs> with <laughs> understandably, and do you think that's just the craziness of twenty twenty? Uh, yeah, it certainly got busier in the last few months. Um, I was doing a lot of online things for a couple of months for people. But since I went back to face-to-face, -to -face, I've had a lot of people messaging them. A lot of people want, they will see you over Zoom, but they prefer face-to-face. -face. I think it's for the human contact as well. And do you think, is anxiety related to COVID or do you think it's people haven't had the time to, to sit with their emotions? I think it's uh, mostly people who have always had anxiety, but I think that we live busy lives and they live busy lives and perhaps have not slowed down enough to actually realise the impact it's having on them. Mm -hmm. And because we've had to slow down, they're realising just how much anxiety and concern that they actually are feeling. So they're, they're like reaching out and saying, no, I don't want to live with this. It's it's true like when things are so fast and it's almost like you know there's not time to deal with this but it's important it's really important i always say that to people who are meeting yourself your own number one it doesn't matter who's in your life your elderly parents your children your work whatever you've got to find time just for you because you need that time to recharge your batteries and if you don't you'll be running on empty and then you won't be able to help anyone anyway so you Give yourself that time for self-care. What really tips would you give people that, in terms of trying to slow down, how can people slow down in such a frantic world? I would say that find one thing that absolutely lights up your spirit and lights up your heart. One thing that you really like doing that isn't for anybody else, just for you. Could be anything at all and make sure that you take the time to do that with no judgment, no guilt, nothing, just your gift to yourself. Mm. What I do is I go up the stair to my room, eight o'clock every night, leave my husband sitting down the stair because I like time on my own. Mm -hmm. That's how I recharge with no daring me at all. And you will see that, you'll see, but you're just going up the stair, you sit there, you're not even doing anything. I'll see you right. <laughs> it's great and that is my gift I don't need to do it I just need to be on my own because I recharge my batteries by doing nothing yeah <laughs> so nice to give yourself permission to do that I think that's important I do I mean some people might want to go to the gym some people might like dancing they might you know it doesn't matter just do do it your body likes to move if you move your body it releases a lot of tension so I'll say to people if you feel a bit flat on the mood, put your favourite song on and get socks up because your body actually likes that. Yeah. And it energizes you. 
Yeah, it shifts things, doesn't it? Just dance like crazy, who cares? Yeah, I love that. But I also love like go for a wild swim or even though it's cold, I get I find it so exhilarating and there's so much research with like cold water immersion. The biggest nerve. Yeah, I love all that. But I, do you know one thing I really miss is going for a massage. Well, I'm a great believer in that uh, gentle touch is very healing and very calming for the body. Uh-huh, yeah. And it really is. And that's what I was saying about Reiki for anxiety, because it is literally just placing my hand on people. It's not massage, but again, it's touch. And it's very slow, calming touch, and it just calms all the body and the mind. And it brings, would you say it brings oxytocin into the body, that kind of... All these lovely positive hormones getting released. It's also the fact that some people are so never stop just never stop and it's given them an opportunity for a minute just to switch off the mind and body and i think that's really important mm -hmm. it is important i i think massage I th are you able to give reiki now actually or are they changing the guidelines reiki from from this week from this really week. you can't do the face but i don't touch uh. the face you're yeah. not allowed to go near the face. But what I do when I do Reiki is everybody's got a cover over them. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're totally covered. And all I ever touch is the back of the head and then the body. So I'm not near the face anymore. And I would have a mask on. Do they have to wear masks? Um, they should wear a mask if we're, we're very close up. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's just... Uh... I mean, I, I'm all, I'm really missing massages and all that stuff. And I think it's so important to take that time to go for all this stuff, you know? Well, I don't do massages, but I'm sure they've started up again this week as well. I, th I read something like the 22nd. Yeah, I'll be 22nd, it will be. 22nd. Yeah, I, I love it. It's just I like no, no touch in the face. Yeah, can handle that. My knots on my shoulders. <laughs> And have you got any time planned to get away in the with the summer or you know staycation? Oh, I'm no, I'm met, well, I've got flights booked to go to Mississippi because my son lives in Mississippi. Oh. But whether they've been booked for about a year, so whether I get there, I don't know. Oh. But I hope to get over to see him and my grandchildren. Oh, I hope you do. Um. I'll keep it all cross for you. But that's so encouraging to hear, like, you know, just how many people you're helping and that you're in a great place too, you know. You've got, you know, people can feel better. People can let go of these limiting beliefs. People can move on and have a more happy life. And, and we are a lot more resilient than we think, aren't we? Yeah. I think that what people really need to know is it's okay to ask for help. Because people feel guilty, they feel that they're failures when they're asking for help. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I would say that nobody is, that actually I've asked for help many times, and I still do for self-care. I go and see, because of the work that I do, self-care is really important, and I've yeah. got peers supporting each other. And I'll go and see a girl, and I'll get her to work on me if I think I'm starting to store things. Because for me to help people, I've got to be in a good place. Yeah. So I would say, don't worry ever about reaching out for help. You know what? Everybody has to ask for help at some point in their life. They might not share it, but there's no shame at all. 
and it's, it's going to get you over a bump. It's worth doing. So true. And do you have a favourite mantra? Me. Do I have a favourite mantra? I think the only the favourite thing message that I give myself is to just really recognise my own value and my own worth. And I remind myself of that because that was the lesson that I had to learn. That mm -hmm. I was just as valuable as else. And in fact, I was equal to other people. Because I all my life I looked on myself as less than others. And now I don't. So I remind myself constantly, do you know what you're doing okay, Susan? You're just as good as anyone. Oh, we are all equal. I always say that in my talks, you know, everyone. And for me, something that came to me when I was writing last year, my next book, it was like, how do you know your value if you don't know like what your values are and what's important to you as well? So knowing like what your values are, what makes you, you like the real you, as you say, like that inner child, that yeah. innocent, fun-loving you, what makes you you, what's important to you? Um, and then once you know that, you can use that to help other people find theirs. And it is really important because some people dismiss what is important to them mm -hmm. and live a life that is not in line with their beliefs and values. Mm -hmm. Live a life that doesn't connect them. And I firmly believe that's how you could get depressed and get low mood and fed up and things become such a burden. Mm -hmm. And But what you're saying by people being able to identify their own values and realise how to introduce that back into their life, mm -hmm. I really believe that can change people's moods and start to lessen this depression. And I do believe that. Yeah, so true, so true. It's been really, really amazing to chat and hear more about what you do. And um, it's been really uplifting. Um, for people that want to contact you and we'll put stuff on the blog, where, where do you want to, them to go? Well, they can find me at perfectsolution.co.uk. I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, I'm all over the place. Uh, and I do share information for self-help tips and information. And if anybody messages me because they want to know about any particular situations, I happily do share information with them as well. Okay, great. Well, we'll link all those on the blog and um, I always ask people at the end what their favourite song is. What my favourite song, it's funny I was talking about this the other day and there was two songs that came up that inspired me, right? And one is something, is it something strong, Labby Sifri? Well, you that? might not know that, Labby Sifri, something so strong. Oh. And there was, there was a other song called Proud. What have you done today that makes you feel proud? Oh yeah, I know that one. I'll Google the other one as well. That was the two songs that, the Labby Sifri one's going back a bit, it'll be before your time. <laughs> that um, was when I was going through quite a, a difficult time in my life. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of like, come on Susan, you can be strong as well. You, no matter what people throw at you, you can get through this. That's why even now it means something to me. And I love that. I one about what have you done today to make you feel proud is because I, I started trying to do things that would inspire me and give me that lift and make me feel that I was capable of achieving mm. and that's what that, that it just reminds me that I can achieve so they're, they're, both, they're both to lift me up in different ways 
They're good songs. I'm going to add them to my list. People listening can add them to their playlist. Is that M People, the proud one? Uh, it's the girl that sang in, in People. I can't yeah. remember her name. Yeah, they were they were great actually. I used yeah. to like listening to them. I think sort of my teenage years, yeah. and people were quite so my age with these ones. But they still lift my spirit whenever I hear them. Still oh yeah, them. there's there's tracks that just really really are great for the wellness, aren't they? Great for the mojo, as I would say. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh well, it's been so nice chatting to you. So thank you so much. And thank um, you keep helping keep inspiring um yeah just keep up the amazing work well thanks very much thank you no worries a really nice discussion and i always say to people like just think of one thing you did today to make you feel proud one thing that gave you a boost if you're having a tough day you're stressed you're not quite yourself just focus on the one thing focus on the positive thing what have you done today to make you feel proud? A-ho! What have you done today to make you feel proud? I'm sure you've done something. The mind can be so critical. But just give yourself some kindness. And give, give other people some kindness too because you never know what they're going through. What have you done today to make me feel proud? Shoot. I used to love listening to that. Blast from the past. Guys, all the love to you. Be kind to yourself. Be proud of yourselves. Mwah.